like a fetish club for your ears. Grab a hot drink and turn down the lights. Coming across the airwaves and into bedrooms everywhere, BDSM United is bringing you non-violent, consensual, kink education. This isn't for the kiddos or for the cookie-cutter conservative vanilla prunes. We'll be talking bondage, discipline, dominance, submission, sadomasochism, and more today on this BDSM United podcast. I am Primal Picky. Thank you for joining me for another BDSM United podcast. So a question we're often asked is what exactly is frenzy or sub-frenzy and uh, why is it considered so bad? But this often comes up when someone speaks about sub-frenzy, but, you know, there is um, an amount of dom-frenzy as well as other variations on this entire theme. We want to shed some light on these situations by looking at the bigger picture and then how these roles might manifest into people's behavior. In general, many can readily visualize a frenzy of activity, but what do we actually mean? By, ne- by definition, the use of frenzy boils down to a wild excitement, a derangement, extreme mental agitation, perhaps a violent fit or a spell of emotions, or activity that's characteristic of a mania. As an example, this might be a flurry of activity to get ready for a party before guests arrive when accompanied by heightened emotions or a desperate rushing around to gather materials and books before rushing to a class or work. And this is, of course, in the vanilla sense. When used in BDSM culture, the common use usually refers to someone relatively new to the lifestyle, new to doing scenes, and who's experiencing overwhelming excitement. It often accompanies things like new relationship energy. The frenzy is the want to do all the things, all the time, more and more, and now, all now. This state often leads to poor decision-making and therefore bad outcomes which range from not enough sleep or food or water to poor choices about partners and poor choices made about the details of scenes. Frenzy can also cause one to omit the mindfulness needed to properly recognize the nature of risks that are inherent in various types of play. They drop important details such as mental, emotional, and physical limits or needs or aftercare, and they miss the proper signals during scenes to help govern safety and response. Often, frenzy results in serious harm. Let's put these things together. What we have is an emotional drive to act. A feeling so strong it distorts perspective and it and the demands that uh, and it demands sorry that we take heed often without much consideration or regard of the consequences when someone's is subject to a, this frenzied state they're often reacting versus responding meaning 
excuse me, meaning that there's no thought instead of mindfulness. Oftentimes they're spinning out of control. So what causes the frenzy? Well, lots of things, and among them, and but not limited to, are a newbie excitement, maybe an identity insecurity, uh, the desire for proving or approval, a posturing, uh, a, a rush or a drop in response to a scene, loneliness, desperation, a distraction, or coping. Newbie excitement is pretty easy to recognize. They have no experience, and they want to do all the things and push themselves to fit everything in with kind of a certain reckless abandon. This is a type of frenzy, and their excitement and being kind of naive to all the precautions, uh, sorry, all the precautions go out the window. Among them are sleep, hydration, nutrition, and just kind of pacing themselves. While it's okay to be excited, it's not okay to lose your mind in the process. It's definitely not okay within BDSM to ignore the risks that are associated with your decisions and the responsibilities that uh, will just slow you down. It's all about the wonder of potential and the intensity of newness. Well, it's good to be excited and to be optimistic about your potential experiences. You need to keep a level head. You don't need to be rushing into things. Completely clueless was fine as a child, but you're an adult now. And like it or not, you're responsible for your choices. You're also responsible for the lack of choices. You, um, you must temper yourself. You've got to show enough self-discipline to use good judgment. Even when things feel wonderful. And you're just so excited. If you want to be a careless twit, that's your call. Don't drag others into your drama and try to use your innocence as an excuse. There's a misunderstanding that a person must fit into a category or a label that describes them, especially when you're new to BDSM. This is essentially seeking some confirmation of who you are both to yourself and to others, a specific label on which you think you can rely. Many people in BDSM, especially those who are new, often focus or obsess over finding the right term, the right label, the right identity for themselves. Once they seem to have found a label or a term, they either adopt it uh, themselves or insist Another should recognize that role immediately and completely. Essentially, this is a tendency to force BDSM into an all-or-nothing proposition, and it's another form of frenzy. Don't fall into the trap to test, or sorry, uh, yeah, to test and find your identity in a hurry without careful contemplation. Could take a bit of reflection as well. Defining yourself, your identity, is not conveyed by adopting a label. Labels and terms are only a tool to help describe what we've found to be partially true 
and is essentially a shortcut in communication. This shortcut is not meant to be the full dialogue, however, but rather only the start of establishing some initial common ground as to what we're looking for and what might be a good fit. So you feel you're optimistic but not overexcited. You're more than a label, but perhaps found a new or found a few that help others understand where you're coming from. Well, good. You're on the right track. Now others might push back on how you're defining yourself. They may suggest uh, or question, are you a true dom or a true sub? Or you might say to yourself, well, you said you're an ex, now prove it. If you're going out of your way to overly extend yourself in order to prove yourself, to prove your love, to prove your devotion, perhaps to prove your ability to give, your ability to receive, then it's actually more of a dare. And whether from your inside voice or someone else, don't fall for the dare. There's a tendency to lose mindfulness when our bluff is called. Human nature often tends to double down on a belief or a conviction. And this is another sort of frenzy to overcommit beyond reason into something potentially dangerous because you're allowing yourself to be baited and the emotions are getting the better of you. Posturing as a form of frenzy is what you get when you combine identity insecurity and the need to prove or the need for approval. It's a perfect recipe for disaster for the individual and those around them, both for the drama and the possible harm it can cause. Essentially, the element of trying to establish their identity is assuming a role completely and often without the necessary experience or the education required. With the ego invested, there's now a need to try to walk the talk. And if that fails, to bluff and bluster. Learning has ceased to occur. Sensitivity to the needs or the safety of others has halted. And now we have a dangerous situation where there's just enough knowledge to be dangerous and too little concern about others to be reckless. There's no simple cure or fix for reckless and willful ignorance. If you see it, you need to run from it as quickly as you can. No need to comment on it, just shut it down and move on. Chances are anything you might have to say of value to somebody like that will simply be ignored because of the door to learning being closed. If you find yourself getting caught up in the moment and you start to fall into this trap, give yourself a little time out. Get some air. Breathe deep and ground yourself back to reality. There's no shame in humility. There's no shame, certainly, in learning. And there's no shame in being open to others. Everyone makes mistakes, for that's how we learn. It's when we don't listen and learn from our lessons that we often repeat our errors. We need to check our ego at the door and be our genuine best self. Frenzy can also come from the incredible highs of a good scene. As much as the drop, 
that eventually occurs afterwards. On one hand, you may be so energized by a scene, something so intense and charging, that you just want more of it, much like an addiction. The neurochemicals in your body are altering your perceptions, your feelings. They're altering how you think. All you know is that you want more of this thing that was so amazing. Or maybe you had a great scene and you're still floating and buzzing, feeling better than ever. Things start to subside. The neurochemicals correct and you start coming down. And it sucks. There's the adage of a little of the hair of the dog that bit you comes to the front of the mind. You need... Something. No, you need something now to help you through this. You're essentially now caught up in chasing the dragon. You're now seeking the same high or at least something close enough to help you through. Make no mistake, that is exactly what it is. It's a high created through your own body's production of chemicals and hormones. First, you have to realize that you're on a drug, even if it's just a drug that your body has produced. The first rule is remembering that you're on a drug. What you experience and feel is not part of everyday, normal, day-to-day life. This moment is the exception. It's not the norm. There's nothing like your first intense experience, much like somebody's first great high. The two aren't really that much different, which is why the community often shuns the use of substances in play. It's already risky enough to have uh, significant challenges without adding uh, more factors to complicate things or make them even riskier. We're already dealing with drugs in scenes. It's just we're dealing with the drugs that our bodies are producing. Adding additional drugs could, in essence, cause somewhat of like an overdose of how we feel emotionally. We often hear about the challenges when dealing with long-distance relationships or the time between play parties, events, and visits with our significant others. Loneliness can be a very tangible and heavy emotional burden. When it goes on for too long or when the insecurity starts adding to that emotional weight, it can oftentimes feel unbearable. Add to this the feelings behind why we feel lonely. To alleviate the pain, the hunger, or the desire to go the extra mile and make up for lost time can be quite palatable. This is yet another type of frenzy where logic leaves the building in the face of loneliness and feelings of desperation. The desire to eliminate this pain can be so strong that good judgment is abandoned in order to lessen the feelings of isolation, doubt, or rejection. A simple fact borne out by research is that much of addiction leads back to feelings of isolation and loneliness. Remember, we're dealing oftentimes with drugs that our bodies are producing. So we want those, we're kind of addicted to those feelings, and we want to feel those things again. Coping depends on learning how to be 
brave and strong with yourself, as well as building and using your support network. Try reconnecting with family, with friends, with partners, with nature, or perhaps consider your own spiritual practice. It's about connection. For many, the feeling of being under stress is no trivial matter. Be it professional or personal demands, whether in expressions of criticism or events that lead to physical or emotional isolation or abandonment. When feelings of rejection are compounded by emotions of embarrassment or humiliation, this often makes things even worse. Life can be particularly challenging. Remember, life is often cruel, especially when trying to manage painful emotions associated with rejection. Therefore, it's not uncommon to seek a method of escape from the awareness of the pain you presently feel. It's the basis for much of our current entertainment industry to escape, to distract. It's why consumer habits are often an emotional-based sale. Yet this is also another type of frenzy. Use of reckless action to cope or distract yourself from life's stress, while common enough, still can be reckless. One might seek to relieve pressures at work, at home due to children, or matters of relationship tension. When the use of a thing is engaged with a certain wanton disregard for the outcome or the consequence, we still say it's part of this frenzy mindset. The need to play becomes a coping tool, and by proxy a method of self-medication through induced saturation of our own body's neurochemicals. It's no different than the use of alcohol or drugs to numb the pain, which often can have harmful consequences to relationships, jobs, children, and a healthy balance in managing life, especially if they're used incorrectly. So frenzy happens for a variety of reasons, and while it's typically attributed to subs, it happens for doms as well. It's, simply put, a desperate drive to have your needs satisfied. The implication is the mindless, the reckless, and the dangerous nature attributed to a frenzied state. And the only cure is being self-aware and using self-discipline. Don't feed the beast uh, when you're in a state of frenzy, which is the exact opposite of what's dri- what it's driving you to do. Throwing caution to the wind is not the answer, and it won't yield better up- outcomes. Frenzy can feel like being the proverbial kid in the candy shop. You want Want it now and will play with people too soon, too often, too intensely, and often without drawing limits of your own. It's highly important that dominant partners learn to recognize the signs of sub-frenzy and be the responsible dom by resisting the urge to take advantage of a submissive frenzy. 
When you see it, you need to take cautious control and paste the sub so as to prevent a potentially ugly scenario from culminating. For Dom's frenzy can feel like the world is your oyster. You feel hungry, and you can make or break any sub of your choosing. You are sin incarnate. (laughs) You will give and take and take and take, often without consideration to consequences or to good preparation or to basic safety of both yours and their minds and bodies. It's highly important that a submissive learn to recognize the signs of Dom frenzy as well. That reckless eagerness, the arrogance, the lack of communication or respect. If you see this, suggest perhaps getting to know someone quietly over coffee or tea and see if reason returns. If not, simply politely decline. How they feel about that and manage it is their problem, not yours. Today's episode on Frenzy comes from LimitsUnleashed.com. And we liked it so much that we wanted to bring this information to you. This piece was originally written by... um, What's his name? Uh, By Service. And uh, I'm Primal Piggy. Uh, You can find all of our resources at www dot bdsmunited.com oftentimes we find things that we feel uh, are just so good that they are the best tools uh, to bring to you to equip you for bdsm we don't have to create all of the tools oftentimes others create them and we just think that they're just so good that they need to be in your hands It's been a joy talking with you today, and this has been a really important subject on Dom Frenzy, Sub Frenzy, just Frenzy in general, and hopefully it made you think about some ways that you didn't previously view as Frenzy, and, you know, hopefully it equipped you with some tools to deal with the Frenzy that you may be experiencing. It's been a joy talking with you today. Talk with you again soon. Before you go, head on over and visit our friend Nookie at datingkinky.com. She's been a longtime supporter and friend of whips, chains, and duct tape, and she's built a very inclusive service that is Dating Kinky. Built by kinksters for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla, and it's free. But also check out a Plus membership. It gives you access to nine books, three online classes, and over 250 webinar replays. That's nearly 400 hours of kinky education. Plus membership is an amazing deal. You also get access to amazing features like voice and video chat. That's datingkinky.com.